Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hola, my people. How are you? Nice to see you. Got a lot to get to today. It is Thursday, which means, well, as of right now, that's the last show of the week. But we are going to start, I believe, in August, going five days a week. And I cannot wait. You guys have been awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Not only on YouTube, but here on Twitter and across the platforms. You guys are fantastic. All right, you ready? Here's the deal. There is nothing better for radio hosts in the world than the NIL. There's nothing better for our world than the NIL. Why, you ask? Because it's the gift that keeps on giving. The pious among us. Well, you know, we must pay these young men. They are employees. Okay, fine. I don't care if you pay them, but don't tell me I was an employee when I played basketball at Indiana. I wasn't an employee. I was a guy going to school playing basketball. But times have changed. These are employees. Yeah, fine. The pious sit on the mount. See, here's what those of us do that actually have been involved, been in the locker room as a head coach. If you haven't been a head coach or an assistant coach in the 2000s, you got no idea. Uh, You can be in the media. You can say all the smart stuff. Other media can love you. But no, don't at me with the crap. Here's the deal, all right? I'm here for the entertainment. I'm here for all the entertainment, the entertainment value. Can we run a little bit, just a little bit of Nick Saban? Nick Saban decides, hey, man, I am going to call out my former assistant, Jimbo Fisher. Nick Saban ain't messing around, ladies and gentlemen, and this is what I'm here for. So you got to understand, Nick Saban's the first guy that came out and implied that his quarterback, Bryce Young, was getting, quote, seven figures. He did that. And now Nicky Demas is mad because Jimbo Fisher, his former assistant, went and used a bunch of oil money and bought players. He was speaking at a deal the other day. We've got the audio. As soon as they're ready to play it, we can play it. But I love it. Here is a sitting head coach who is arguably the greatest head coach in the history of the sport. And he's he's calling out, let's play it, he's calling out Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. Right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. You know. I absolutely love it, man. I love it. It's a gift that keeps giving. It is. It's the, it's the gift that just won't stop. And, and you sit here as a, a – can we turn that off? As a – When I look at recruiting, I think NIL for everyone. Water the infield with NIL, people. Sprinkle the infield. 
the NCAA was supposed to have this NIL thing figured out. They gave in to the Supreme Court. It was supposed to be you're out of school. It's name, image, and likeness. Well, what Nick Saban is saying here is they did not go out and say, hey, uh, Joey Stud quarterback, we're going to give you a million dollars to come play at our school. What Nick Saban has said is, look, once you're here, we're going to set you up the way the rules are set up, name, image, and likeness. All right? That's what he's saying. Uh, well, there really are no rules. Their coaches cheated their brains out when there were rules. What do you think coaches are going to do when there are, at best, vague rules for recruiting? They're going to stretch it, baby. And it's fascinating Nick Saban came out against his assistant who had beaten him this past year. Now, you know, I always said this about my head coach, Bob Knight. He was great friends with you as long as he was beating you. Once he stopped beating Gene Cady all the time, he didn't like Cady. He acted like he did, but he didn't like Cady. Well, Jimbo Fisher beat Saban on the field and in recruiting. That is how coaches react to getting beat. I love it. And it ain't stopping, ladies and gentlemen. The NCAA, and I love what they did. They came out and they said, hey, we got to reorganize this. But what you just saw there is going to happen again and again and again. Or or everybody, including Nick Saban, as he said, it's not sustainable. So he's going to have to give into it if he hasn't already. See, I think that we as consumers of college football, think everyone's cheating. Like, I don't know where, let's take Saban and Urban Meyer, the two most successful coaches of this generation. I don't know where either has been accused of various cheating. Secondary violations, every school, your school does them, every school does them, they turn them in, your local paper reports them like it's freaking Capone, and the truth of the matter is everybody that's been a coach knows, hey, look, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's nothing. It happens. But the major violations, I don't even know what they are anymore. We're going to find out if the NCAA goes by its word and goes retroactive to find the guys like John Ruiz who publicly paid the kid to come to Miami. It's going to be fascinating. It is. And that right there, here's the other part of this. Saban saying that right there is a call to action for the NCAA. It is. They have react to this. They have to, and don't make any mistake about it. That's exactly what Nick Saban wants. Nick Saban, I'm betting, did not pay anybody to come. I'm betting Nick Saban said, look, once you get here, here's what we can do for you. All right? I'll bet you he did, because by doing what he did last night, specifically calling out a school, a big school, an SEC school, he is basically telling the folks right here in downtown Indiana, you're going to do about it. And the timing is absolutely superb because it was a week ago where Gene Smith and his committee said, look, starting right now, May 9th, we're stopping this. We're going to go back retroactive and take a look at what has been done. Not NIL, but pay for play. This was calculated by Nick Saban. I like it. I like it a lot. I love it. And stay tuned because I'm telling you, the dudes on the mount that never been in a locker room as a head coach, 
They look at, well, we're so pie. That's why I like what Clay Travis said. Get the popcorn ready. That's exactly right. You can pontificate all you want. That's fine. But the bottom line is get the popcorn ready because this is going to get good. In fact, this may carry our show until football season starts. That's right. Don't at me, people. This is that good. All right. Shaq and Barkley. It is America's pregame show. It's the only basketball show worth watching. Now, we can't show you the video because it's on TNT, and apparently, I don't know the rules on it. But Shaq and Barkley went at each other last night on the set to the point where Dwayne Wade, who was in the middle, had to go, whoa. They went at each other personal. You didn't do that. And it was freaking awesome. Let me tell you what would happen at ESPN if Jalen Rose, Mike Wilbon, not necessarily Stephen A. Smith, and Mike Greenberg were involved in a across-the-table, we're really going at somebody. Oh, my God. Hey, I had, uh, what's her name? She's a head coach at Duke. I forget her name. But she would talk and stare at you. Like what she said just meant something. So I'd look at her, and she's Carol Lawson. I love Carol Lawson, but she would say something like it was the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm supposed to react. And I'd look at her for a second, and then and she went to our bosses. Dan won't look at me. I go, what am I supposed to do? I don't want to stare at somebody that's eerily. Oh, man, the ESPN thing that's so sensitive. That's why Shaq, Jalen Rose, are you kidding me? Jalen Rose would have had three lawsuits, uh, called whoever did, even if they were African-American racist, and who knows? Marched right into HR, Dave Roberts. They were mean to me. Uh, those guys. That's why that show stinks and has always stunk. And make no mistake, I'm not saying anything out of school. ESPN knows that they have a terrible countdown show or whatever you call it, pregame NBA show halftime. They know they do. They've never gotten it right, and they've never gotten it right because they keep Jalen Rose in there, who is all about Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose can't sit there like Barkley and Shaq do and take uh, criticism and laugh about it. You know, Jalen can't do that. He's that insecure. But that's why it's a horrible show. The most famous dudes at ESPN text me when that show is on. You watching this crap? Of course not. I don't watch it. But Shaq and Barkley, give me Shaq, Barkley, Kenny, I don't care who else you throw in there. D-Wade, I like. Uh, Ernie's great. But yesterday, they were going at it, and they were going at it strong. And it got uncomfortable, which I love. Oh, God, I always said, why can't we do a show that's fun? I'm actually thinking about having my own damn uh, pregame show in the NBA, getting some former players and making it fun, a pre-college game show. Those dudes last night, salute, man. Sa-frickin-lude. Oh, God, ESPN, I swear to you. Hey, at ESPN one time, I told you this story. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm wearing shorts uh, over a suit, and they're like, hey, Dan, you got to go put pants on. So I went literally where nobody was, took off my shorts, had underwear on, boxers, put on pants because we were going to go on set. And some little intern got offended because she saw me in the camera. Next thing you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, HR was outside the studio. They're like, hey, uh, which one do you use, Dan? Me. 
Uh, did you take your pants off? I explained the deal. I said, man, cuff me, whatever you want to do. ESPN, baby. You couldn't do what Shaq does, and they continue to have the most horse bleep show. And it's been that for years. I remember when Sage was on, she's like, this show stinks. It stinks. It's awful. Oh, baby. All right. Here's the other thing we got. We know what it takes to win. Joe Burrow. Don't do this, Joe Burrow. Don't do this. Now we know what it takes, and we have that experience in our hip pockets going forward. Don't do that. Don't do that. Here's the deal. It's not bad that he said it. I got no problem. I'm not trying to be a jackass here. But I'm telling you, Patrick Mahomes, after they won the Super Bowl, talked about winning six or seven of them. Haven't won any since. They've been good. Don't get me wrong. Mooch respect. Burrow ain't wrong. But don't fall into the trap of saying these things because karma's a mother. You ever hear Tom Brady say that stuff? No. Peyton Manning? No. What you do is you go to work. Now, Joe Burrow, I think, is the closest thing to Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. He doesn't really. He can move. He can move well. But he's been injured which is what Brady was, and not necessarily Peyton until the end of his career. So echo what they say and what they do. Work your brains off. Get after it every single minute of every single day. Be a football fanatic. Have a great time off the field, but don't be talking about now we know because you don't know. Going into your third or fourth year will be so different than going into your 10th or 12th year. And karma has a way of straightening things out. Well, now we know what it takes to win, yeah? Take this. Oh, man. Telling you. These are things that wise old men like me learn over the course of time. Young folks need to learn them quickly. Don't be the Colts. Don't be the Indianapolis Colts where all they do is talk, talk, talk. Talk. Paris Campbell. Oh, he can't stay healthy, they say about me. Well, you can't. Uh, Dio, Oda, whatever. He lacked confidence last year. They're going to see his real self. The Colts are number one in the league in talking. And don't make the playoffs. Don't be the Colts. Be the team that says nothing but works its brains out, comes out and kicks ass. Joe Burrow, don't fall into that trap. Don't do it. I'm telling you. I know a lot of you don't believe in that, but anybody that's ever been in a locker room for any amount of years will tell you what I'm telling you. Don't do it. Um, NFL teams should not extend rookie contracts until they have to. Again, don't be the Colts. The Colts did an overcorrection. Ryan Grigson, the best general manager they've had, uh, gets out because he's too tough. He's too tough on people. And as Rick Venturi, longtime NFL executive, not executive, defensive coordinator, said toughness left the Colts when when Grigson left the building. So the Colts went on an extending spree. We're extending everybody. Well, you know who didn't get extended until they had to? Andrew Luck. There's a ton of players right now that are whining, moaning, 
that they need their rookie deal extended. I'm for extending you when the time is right. There is nothing, nothing better than a player playing for his contract. There is nothing worse than a player that has made zillions sitting on his ass with an already contract. And people are going to say, man, I'm a pro. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yeah, you're a pro, but human nature says differently. Why do they think, well, not they, why does everyone in sports, particularly basketball, say, well, you know what, why is he playing so well, he's contract year? This is not a myth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, I am not extending rookies until I have to, period. Particularly in football, where you know, hey, man, I don't know. Seems like everybody can get hurt. Seems like folks go down all the time. And all of a sudden, I'm running a business here. I hear all these guys say, well, it's a business. Players say it all the time. I'm a businessman. It's a business. Well, you know what? So are the teams. It's a business. And if you look at it like a business, you'll have no problem. This is the best time ever, ever to be an NFL player. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to make $50 million a year. Deshaun Watson, that crazy kid, that nutcase who makes his massage therapist cry for whatever the reason, signed a fully guaranteed $230 million deal despite having 22 civil cases against him. There's never been a better time to get fat in the NFL. But that doesn't mean teams have to do it before they have to do it. I'm telling you. Lamar Jackson, love you. We'll get that contract done when we get it done. Quentin Nelson, I'm trading you, baby. I am not paying a guard $20 million a year, even a, quote, generational guard that hasn't made the playoffs but one time. I'm just telling you. Debo Samuel, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I got to get that done. DK Metcalf, I might want to get that done. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I don't have to get all these done. I don't want to get all these done. No, I'm not doing it. So let's just understand this. Get the contracts done when you want to get the contracts done. So there you go. Don't be in a hurry. And if all of a sudden, remember, you know how NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball players always say, I'm a man. You know what men don't do? Real men, adult men. I'll show you I'm taking my workplace off of my social media. And men don't do that. No, men don't do that. that. If you want to know why I wouldn't give a contract to Kyler Murray this year until it's time, that right there. I'm taking my Cardinal stuff off social media. Yeah, really? Uh, what, are you a kid? Child? What? I don't want a child leading me. I want an adult leading me, period. Don't at me either. Uh, Great storylines coming across the PGA Tour, the PGA Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, great storylines. I don't know if you saw this, but Bryson DeChambeau out with an injury. It's actually a big deal because he's one of the recognizable names on the tour. He played a practice round, said, screw it. You know, it's interesting. Bryson DeChambeau was one of those guys linked 
with Phil Mickelson to be in the Saudi tour. Guess what's happened to Bryson DeChambeau this year? Yeah, I know he's injured. Me too. I'm injured. But Bryson DeChambeau has been a non-factor and has dropped out of the public consciousness. And I always wonder, is that intentional? Just kind of be there but go away so this all blows over? Because the word on the street was Bryson DeChambeau was at minimum giving serious thought to leaving and going and taking the money. Interesting. Uh, Spieth, Jordan Spieth has won the British Open, the U.S. Open, and the Masters. Guess what he hasn't won? He has not won the PGA for the career Grand Slam, and Jordan Spieth has been playing really well. Jordan Spieth first and second his last two times out, but listen to this, folks. This is a 7,500-yard course. That's par 70. That means, baby, you got to hit it long, and it's a second-shot course. Not only do you have to hit it long, but you better hit it straight, and Jordan Spieth has not been hitting the ball straight. I hope he's there at the end. Like, I got to tell you, I hope it is a, uh, I don't know, I hope it's a Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, foursome, threesome, whatever at the end, our last day, and I'll sit my fat, you know what, and watch the end of it. But I'm telling you, there are some really good stories. Then you've got Scotty Scheffler, who's the favorite. And Scotty Scheffler, by all accounts, thinks that this course is his favorite in the world. Now, that's a pretty good combination. I don't know about you, but I got my favorite course, and I'm the favorite. I got to go to the beard. If it were that easy, Vegas would be broke. That seems too easy to me. I don't know about you, but that seems way, way, way too easy. I mean, come on. Let's be honest here. That's the favorite on his favorite course. I don't know about that. Too easy. I'll pick him top 10. You'll still get plus money on a top 10, I think. But that's too easy. Then, of course, you've got Kepka, who hasn't been right, who seems to be clubbing. And, of course, you've got Tiger, who tees off here, actually just teed off. So it's exciting time, I think, for the PGA. I do. I think the PGA's got interesting storylines. It's worth a watch this weekend. I really believe that. I do. Uh, last night, it went exactly how I told you it was going to go. Last night, I, this is just amazing to me. I, I wrote an article that's going to be up at OutKick uh, fairly soon. And in the article, I say a healthy uh, Warriors team is not going to lose to this Mavericks team. The Mavericks, frankly, aren't good enough. Now, it may go five or six, I don't know. But to beat a healthy, healthy Warriors team, I go back to history. I go back to when Isaiah had to get through Bird, McHale, that crew. Well, they eventually got through. Do you know why? Because Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, and Dennis Rodman were Hall of Famers. They had three Hall of Famers on their roster. And Adrian Dantley was there for a minute. Now, I think they got rid of him. But I'm just telling you, you got three Hall of Famers on your roster. That's how you get through other Hall of Famers. The Dallas Mavericks don't have Hall of Famers. They got one. Luka Doncic will be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. 
But they got nobody else that you go, oh, man. They got a bunch of Ron Harpers. When Ron Harper played with the Bulls. Ron Harper playing with the Cleveland Cavaliers was a hell of a player. But playing with the Bulls, he was a good player, really good. He was a perfect fit. The Mavs have guys that fit. Really good job by uh, whoever, I don't know, kid, uh, Cuban, whatever. But they don't have enough to beat a healthy Suns team. The game was going along, and next thing you know, exactly what worries me if I'm a Mavs fan. Man, that spurts. All of a sudden, I don't know how he does it. He just does. My man Steph Curry looked bad. He looked bad. And then, whap, 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 next thing you know, he's got 21. Fourth quarter comes, he don't even play. Doesn't even play. Doesn't have to play. They win. You see the score right there. They go up by 25. Game's over. You move on. They just don't. You got to have Hall of Famers to beat a team that's a champion numerous times. You're just not beating them with regular guys. I'm sorry. You're not. You'll win a game, but there's a heck of a difference between winning a game and beating a team four times in two weeks. You, it, it's, it's like I always say about LeBron. Hey, you might beat him in December. Go get him in January, February. We got you, Bron Bron. But to beat LeBron James, you got to beat him four times in two weeks. Ah, that ain't easy, folks. That's hard, really hard. And you saw it last night. Now, does that mean, I don't know, does that mean that, you know, they can't be done? Sure, it can be done. Anything can be done. Luka Doncic could go for a million, but it ain't happening, not in this series. That's why I tried to tell you yesterday, take the freaking Warriors in this series. I don't care if you got to go plus 200 because, truthfully, I, look, I get it. Luka Doncic's great. We all know he's great. But the truth of the matter is he doesn't have enough around him. you got to have two or three Hall of Famers to beat a healthy team. Now, you're going to say to me, okay, Dan, what if they get in the finals? Well, the way I look at it, Jason Tatum, probable Hall of Famer. Uh, Jalen Brown, I don't know. Smart, I don't know. You got to have Hall of Famers to beat a healthy Warriors team. I don't see Hall of Famers. I think the Warriors are the favorite to win the title. I do. Looks to me, though, the Celtics might be the second best team. But right now, uh, you don't have Hall of Famers, you don't have a chance. No. I'm sorry. PGA Tour is getting going. It's great. NBA Eastern Conference Finals, uh, uh, it's absolutely great. We got a lot, a ton going on politically in this world. And you know I love to get into that, baby. I like to get into the, I like to get into the weeds on Thursday with my friend Jason Hammer. I got the damn awards, including, uh, did that dude just say that award? It's a good one. You'll like it. I got the What the F Are We Doing Awards and the How About You Just Shut the Living Heck Up Awards. I got some awards coming up at the top of the hour. I guess we got some mean tweets, huh? Best Buy employees are throwing hands. It's a great day. It's a Thursday. Have a wonderful time with us. Get to the YouTube channel. Hey, if you're on Twitter, retweet our show if you don't mind. I want to get a lot of listeners. I'm headed over to YouTube chat in, this, uh, chat in this break to see what you clowns are talking about. Who's mad today? The YouTube chat gets mad. Go to YouTube.com, search Don't At Me, and you'll find me. And then get on the chat, and then watch them all get pissed. Everybody gets pissed. 
Ed Rogers will tell you, well, Trump did this. It's every day, and it's absolutely glorious. We'll be right back. Hammer time. Jason Hammer, our good friend from Indy, next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, it's Thursday. It's 9.30. It's hammer time, ladies and gentlemen. Do, 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 do. Anyway, you don't need to see that. That's just for, <laughs> you know, me and my wife. You know what I'm saying? They don't need that HT. Hey, uh, hammer time. Uh, it was 1984. George Orwell wrote the book, and Joe Biden implemented the Department of Disinformation, and he picked a wackadoodle to be the head of it. What the <laughs> hell happened to the Department of Disinformation? What happened here? Listen, we're getting into warmer weather. It's springtime. If anybody's got a cold 40 ounce, make sure you pour a little bit out for the Department of Disinformation because it's gone. She gone. It's not a thing anymore. The Department of Homeland Security has pulled the plug on the Ministry of Truth, if you want to call it that, and the completely bat-crap crazy lunatic that led it, Nina Jankowitz, has turned in a resignation. Now, let this sink in for just a moment. If you're Nina Jankowitz, you were too crazy and too dumb to work in the Biden administration. When you wake up in the morning, how does that feel? Man, and she, um, I think she kind of embraced her crazy. And when I saw initially who this woman was, I thought to myself, I thought people that are heads of governmental departments are supposed to be among the best of the best. This administration just hires a bunch of crazy people. What? What is it just so they look inclusive here? What are we doing? Listen, this isn't just the Biden administration. Let me make it clear, because let's not forget that Donald Trump gave the keys to the White House press room to Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, a guy that looks like he's probably got three people locked in his trunk right now. So this kind of thing happens now. It's all about hooking up your buddies, hooking up your friends. But this Nina Jankowicz chick, she was three sheets to the wind. She had no idea what she was doing. And the fact that she got anywhere near a government leadership position shows you everything you need to know about the state of this country right now. Listen, if you want to have a debate what? about whether or not we need a Department of Disinformation, we can have that debate. It's going to be one-sided, but we'll have that debate. But if you put somebody competent in there, then okay, maybe it's not as lopsided, it's not as one-sided. She was ridiculous. She was a lunatic. And when I say lunatic, I'm talking about by Washington, D.C. standards. I'm talking about by lunatic standards when I looked at her on Twitter. <laughs> she defined lunatic. Like, I, screaming. I, look, all right, do we need a department of disinformation or do we need a department that does the same thing, but it's just not called the department of disinformation? You don't need either one. 
You don't need either one. And this is kind of the big battle that you see in society right now. You either believe in free speech or you don't. You either believe people have the right to say things you disagree with or you don't. Because what would this Department of Information say about a guy like Alex Berenson? Alex Berenson is a former New York Times reporter. He was very outspoken about the efficacy of the vaccines. He was one of the first people who went out on social media and said, this vaccine will not protect you from getting COVID. It will not stop you from spreading COVID. He was banned and kicked off of social media. His Twitter account was removed. It turns out he was absolutely right. So would the Department of Disinformation continue to go down the road like Twitter went down? Or would you reinstate Alex Berenson? Now, Berenson's got a lawsuit against Twitter right now. And if you haven't been following this, this bad boy is actually pretty juicy. It turns out the judge has stated that Twitter has to turn over all of the paperwork, all of the emails, all of the reasoning why they banned Alex Berenson permanently. So this is going to get pretty good for a guy who... Listen, he had some hot takes on Twitter, but he was right an awful lot, and he still doesn't have his account back. I want to get into Twitter in a minute, um, but I also want to get into Homeland Security, according to Axios, is making plans. They think there's going to be riots at the Supreme Court coming up when a decision comes down. Now, they already have fencing around. They're already you know, protecting these justices, I guess, at least at work. What's going on here, big boy? So let me get this straight. Let me make sure if I'm scoring at home, I've got all my ducks in a row here. The same people who for four years told you walls don't work when it comes to the border have protected themselves with walls and fencing. I just want to make sure that I've got that right. Um, this <laughs> Axios report, it's pretty scary actually, because they've got sources that claim that DHS has got credible threats that once this decision comes down from the Supreme Court, and if it is what was leaked, again, we don't know if that's going to be the case, but if it is what is leaked, and Roe versus Wade in a roundabout way is taken down to the state level, they're anticipating riots at the Supreme Court, people trying to charge into the Supreme Court, threats on the lives of the justices, threats on the lives of the clerks of the justices, uh, attacks, uh, you know, stormings, bombings of uh, pro-life centers all throughout the United States, Catholic churches all throughout the United States. Now, to me, Coach, that sounds kind of insurrection-y because uh, I'm old enough to remember Joe Biden just a couple days ago talking about how white supremacy and this Republican way of thinking was the biggest threat to society. I'm just going to go on a limb. This is my opinion, not anybody else's, but the kind of people that are going to be upset against Roe versus Wade's decision that are going to threaten the lives of a Supreme Court justice and throw Molotov cocktails into a Catholic church or pro-life center, they might not be voting Republican. Just a hunch, just my gut feeling there. Uh, so this kind of shows you how political and how full of crap the leaders in this country are talking to your faces right now. I want to I, I want to go back to Joe Biden for a second, uh, Jason. Um, I thought he was going to unite us. He doesn't seem to be uniting of late, and what he is doing reeks of panic to me. Well, of course, wouldn't you panic? Look at your polling numbers. At this point, 
Joe Biden is making Jimmy Carter look like George Washington. Everything is going wrong right now. And you're going to get numb nuts on Twitter that come out and say, well, it's still better than the orange man. Like they've got such Trump derangement syndrome. They can't take a deep breath and realize gas is a problem. Supply chain issues are a problem. There's a worker shortage. Your administration paid people to stay at home. That's a problem. The border is a problem. And it's about to get completely ape blank next week when Title 42 goes away. Um, nothing seems to be going well for the Biden administration. They tried to roll out the Ministry of Truth and they will laugh that because of it. DHS said, all right, we're done being a laughing stock. We're getting rid of this thing. CNN Plus lasted longer than the Department of Disinformation. Let that sink in for a moment. So nothing is going well. So all you can do is blame Putin. You can blame Donald Trump. You can blame Tucker Carlson. You can blame the evil right-wing voters. But I'm telling you, those evil right-wing voters, it's not all of America. There are folks in the middle who see what's going on, and they've decided they're not voting for Joe Biden anymore. Guys like Elon Musk. Elon Musk comes out and says, I am not going to vote Democrat this year. Previously, Elon Musk was the golden child to the political left. He was making electric cars. He was going to save everybody's life. He was going to save the planet with his electric cars. He was doing cool things in space. But because, one, he likes free speech, and two, doesn't agree with what's going on with this administration, all of a sudden he's the devil now. There's a lot more people like Elon Musk than these pollsters and people on television think. You go around America, you look into a barbershop, you look into a restaurant, you go into a grocery store and ask people, do you like what's going on? Do you want four more years of what's going on? Can you find baby formula? Are your grocery bills higher than a year ago? Do you want to continue that? I'm telling you, it's not just about the political right. Folks down the middle have had enough too. How can you not? Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, you, you and I have talked. I'm, I, I voted for me in the last election. I didn't vote for either. I, I think the last four candidates uh, have been, you know, ridiculous. If I had to do it over again, though, I wouldn't have voted for me. I would have voted for Trump in a second because this mess. But I don't understand how you can sit here, see what's going on in the country, be a reasonable human being, and say, man, Joe Biden's doing a good job. I don't even understand how he gets 25% approval. I don't. Yeah, and that's how partisan we are right now. Like, we've become so partisan as a country. And my friend Rob Kendall, who does a great radio program, says this all the time, that we don't want to hold our own people accountable. Like, I have no problem calling out the Republican Party. You know, I lean right. That's not a big surprise to anybody. Uh, but I will call out the right when it needs to be done. You listen to my radio program. We do it all the time. The folks on the left don't do that. The folks on the left would rather blame Donald Trump for all of the problems going on. Find some sort of reason that it's not their fault. Um, and that's a problem. We need to start expecting more. We need to start holding our own guys accountable. But going back to your point, Coach, of you voting for yourself, it makes sense because look at our candidates right now. Why would anybody that's of sound mind and body sign up for the abuse that you're going to get when you run for the presidency? They're going to call you a rapist. They're going to call you every ist in the book. They're going to make fun of your kids. They're going to make fun of your wife. They're going to go back to every tweet you've said, every ex-girlfriend that you've dated. They're going to go through all of that. And 
because of that, you're not getting the best of the best that want to be the president of the United States. Let that sink in for a moment. Arguably, the most powerful country in the world is having a hard time finding people that want to lead it. And it's because of all this crap. We're having, tr we're having trouble in every area finding people that want to work. I was talking to Doug Bowles yesterday, who's the president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I asked him, uh, how's the work shortage hitting you guys? He goes, oh, man, no question about it. I want to get to Musk for a second. He's calling on the SEC to investigate Twitter spam. What's, what's going to happen here? What's going on with that? So basically, this is let's make a deal. A lot of people are saying, oh, Elon Musk just did this for the publicity. Oh, he's going to back out. No, this is Elon Musk saying, if I can save a billion dollars between friends, why not do that? When he agreed to purchase Twitter, the filing, the paperwork showed that 5% of Twitter users were spam or bots, not real accounts. Elon Musk questioned that. And now there are some reports coming out that 15 to 20%, maybe more, are fake spam accounts on social media. Now, between you and I, we're hearing these numbers and it doesn't even make sense to us, right? No difference between 44 and $43 billion. Well, tell that to Elon Musk. This is his money. This is his livelihood. If he can knock a couple billion dollars off of that price, he will absolutely do that. I mean, when we go to the grocery store and we see Powerade is on sale for this price, Gatorade's on sale for this price, it's kind of the same thing. Honestly, it is. You're probably going to go with the one that's a little bit cheaper. Now, put that into big boy world. Elon Musk, do I want to buy this company for $44 billion or do I want to get it down to $40 billion? I mean, that's a big, big chunk. Um, I think it's just a little matter of let's make a deal. Twitter is saying, hey, we've got a deal in place. You agreed to 44. We said it's this. Elon's arguing that now the conditions are a little different because you lied to me about the information. Don't be shocked if it goes to court. And if it goes to court, it's going to go on Elon Musk's direction if he can prove that there's more than 5% fake accounts. You know, I want to stay with Musk for just a second, Jason. You can listen to Jason from 3 to 7 every day, 93.1 WIBC in Indianapolis. It's Hammer and Nigel's show. It's a great show. It's my go-to every time I drive home, which I do every day. Uh, I got to ask you, Musk did something that I really liked. When he announced that he was going to be a Republican, he got in front of what's coming, which is, you just said it, uh, the attacks, Right. He said exactly this at the end of his tweet where it says, in the past I voted Democratic, now I'm voting Republican. At the end, he says, now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold. He knows the deal, right? We all yes. know that. Like, I expect to be audited because I got this show. I expect the IRS knocking on my door. It's, <laughs> you just know, right? Yep. It's coming. It's 100% coming. And this isn't the first time he's put something like that out. Go back about a month or two ago when he was talking about buying Twitter before it officially became a deal. He kind of puts this cryptic tweet out there. Well, if something happens to me, it's been great knowing you guys. And of course, all the Hillary Clinton jokes started coming in. I may or may not have been a part of that. Um, but he knows exactly what's happening. And this is the peaceful and tolerant left. These are the adults in the room. These are the people that want to bring America together. 
you know, what you're going to see in the upcoming midterm elections, it's going to be all about the January 6th insurrection. It's going to be about the great replacement theory. Guys like Tucker Carlson are the reason that this horrible situation in Buffalo happened. Keep in mind, this kind of stuff has been going on for a long time. I played a montage in our show yesterday of Anderson Cooper cheering the fact on the air at CNN that the uh, country's demographics were changing a little bit. There weren't as many white people. Uh, go back to the softball shooting where some Bernie Sanders lunatic goes and shoots down Republicans at the congressional softball game. Steve Scalise is almost killed. Now, I don't believe that the overwhelming part of the majority of the right blamed Bernie Sanders for that. They didn't blame the left-wing media for that. You blamed it on a lunatic. This kind of goes into the Buffalo situation that we had over the week. Horrible situation. Some piece of human excrement kills 10 people at a grocery store. Racist piece of crap. Horrible situation. But sometimes it's a bad person doing a bad thing. The blame game is out of control. And nobody, whether it's Elon Musk, whether it's a Buffalo shooter, whoever, nobody does the blame game better than the political left in this country. Yeah, I mean, look, our whole, our, you know, I, I, I documented, man, all the different shootings this weekend, and there's a variety of reasons. I mean, it's, you know, I get it, the Buffalo thing, you can point right to one evil person uh, supporting an evil ideology, whatever you want to say, but, you know, uh, the bean in Chicago, there's a hell of an article by John Cass, former columnist for the Chicago Tribune, about what's going on in Chicago. We had a a market shooting. I mean, we, it's, you know, the guy in California that the, in the church where the people tied his ass up, they hog tied him uh, to not let him get away. He's a 68 year old Asian man trying to kill Asians. The world, you know, it, it, anyway, it's just, it, the whole thing is sad to me. What, and, and the whole thing being politi politicized doesn't solve the issue. I want to know what the hell we can do to solve the issue. And I've said for a long, long time, mental health help in our country uh, is really lacking. Um, let me go back to something else uh, that I want to. When what ultimately? Put your crystal ball on. What ultimately is going to happen? Will Musk own Twitter? Yes, it's going to be longer than people think. It might get tied up into a court. I do believe Elon Musk is going to own Twitter because he has the leverage. They thought he wouldn't get the money together. He moved some assets. He got the money. And all of these shareholders, not the board members, but a lot of the other shareholders know that they're not going to come close to getting an offer that good from anybody else. If the richest man in the world, if his offer is not good and they decide that they're not going to partner with Elon Musk, if you're a shareholder, you have to get out, right? And if you do, that stock tanks completely. Elon Musk has the leverage here. He knows he's either going to own Twitter or he's going to expose them for what they are, political activists who hide certain points of view, who have shady algorithms. And if he does that, the stock goes down and the same people who prevented him from owning Twitter are going to lose their ass. He's got every bit of the leverage here. He's playing with house money. Hey, last, last thing before I get to your bets. What do you think of Project Veritas? I think they do interesting work. Um, it's a lot of gotcha-style journalism. Sometimes you have to take that with a grain of salt. But, 
at the end of the day, if you've got somebody that works inside of a company, whether it's Twitter, whether it's CNN or whatever, and they are spilling their guts to you and you've got it on tape, it is what it is. Doesn't matter how you got the audio or how you got the video, you could think that it's, you know, the right thing to do or not. But at the end of the day, they've got people on the video inside these companies talking about the way they do business. We've heard Jeffrey Zucker back when he was in charge at CNN talking on their daily meetings. We now see what's going on inside of Twitter. Uh, these employees hating Elon Musk so much, hating the idea of capitalism so much. Not everything they do is a home run uh, and you don't have to like their tactics, but nothing they're doing is illegal. They've gone to court. I think they've won the majority of their cases against things. It's fascinating to me. And it's not really surprising, though. Are you surprised by anything that you're hearing from Project Veritas? I'm not. No. Uh, I don't know. Can you see? Uh, I, I'm going to show you this tweet from Elon Musk that came out about eight hours ago. Jason, can you see this? Yes. <laughs> the activist. What I love. <laughs> Yeah, what I love most about activists is their incredible sense of humor. I got to tell you, I paid attention to Musk, but it was more like Tesla. It was more like um, space travel, you know, but he's a pretty funny guy. I mean, he's a he's not afraid to just kind of be a dude's dude on Twitter anyway. I kind of like it. Right. He's the prototypical eccentric billionaire right? Like he'll do some wacky things. He'll make a 420 joke. He'll make a 69 joke, but also he'll have a rocket go up into space, come back down and land <laughs> yeah. on the exact same spot that it took off on at a boat in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I just got, I got tired of George W. Bush and Obama talking because I felt like those two guys, every time they gave a speech, they were hoping that the BS that they said would be imprinted on the side of a wall or something. They, you know, <laughs> so it must just, hey, you're, you're activist. You got some baseball for me, big boy? Oh, I got some baseball for you, coach. Afternoon delight, <laughs> two baseball games taking place in the afternoon today. Uh, we got a makeup game here. One ten first pitch, the Reds at the Guardians. Cincinnati at Cleveland. Um, I'm looking at the Reds pitcher here, Tyler Molly, 5.89 ERA. He's coming off two really good outings. Both of those were against Pittsburgh, though. Now, nothing against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Coach, I think you and I might be able to go in there and at least give an inning or two against the Pirates. Would you look at Molly's success rate against other teams this year prior to those two games against Pittsburgh? He didn't make it out of the third against Milwaukee, lost against San Diego, lost against St. Louis, lost against L.A., and lost against Cleveland. So with this being a getaway day, an afternoon game, a makeup game, Cleveland is at home here. I'm going to lay the one. It's one and a half, but you know me better. I don't like the hook. I don't want to do money line because I want a little bit more juice. So I'm going to meet everybody in the middle, lay the one with the Guardians here to beat the Cincinnati Reds. I like it. I like it. What's the other afternoon delight? <laughs> Two ten first pitch in Kansas City. White Sox at the Whoa. Royals. That's game four of a four-game set here. And the Royals have already won two of these games. 
Royals are going for the series win, three to one against the White Sox. I can't see that happening here. White Sox have such a better roster than Kansas City. I can't see the White Sox losing three out of four games to Kansas City, even with Kansas City's at home. Now, I know Velasquez is on the mound for the Sox today. Has it been great? But the Royals are throwing out there an absolute stiff. Hernandez is on the bump for the Royals. 0-3 with an ERA at 9.11. So you're telling me I can get a better roster, a better team against a pitcher with an ERA over nine who doesn't have a win on the year. I will take that every single time. I'll meet you in the middle. I'll lay the one. White Sox to cover. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We got the best in politics. We got the best in opinion, and we got the best in sports gambling. It is hammer time. Let's go. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I, hey, I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to announce these on my show uh, in Indy as my own, and if we lose, I will blame you on Friday on my show. So there you go. What we do. That's, That's how we get down. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Have a great show today. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's my friend Jason Allen Hammer. Follow him at Jason Allen Hammer. Great show. I'm telling you, 3 to 7 every day. 93.1 WIBC.com. Go to it, man. The content is fantastic, and it's really fun. I mean, they incorporate basically everything that there is. Politics, sports, pop culture, fun. Uh, I love it. I think it's a great show. That station is kicking ass here in the great city of Indianapolis. And it should be. All right. The damn awards. No, I'm not swearing. Don't at me. D-A-M. Awards. Including. Give me this dude on my team every time award. Ah, that's right. Including. uh, Best looking male in the Dockage household award. Meaningless. We'll be right back. We'll give you the damn awards next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Uh, it is the damn awards. I love the damn awards. Why do I love the damn awards? Why wouldn't I love the damn awards? The damn awards are awesome. I'm a big fan of the damn awards. Don't at me. All right. I don't know 
that you could get a more damning comment from a from a governor about a president than Ron DeSantis gave about President Biden. Ron DeSantis said, and this was not just kind of saying it, he legitimately said that President Biden should be given honorary membership into Mexican drug cartels. So did that dude just say that? In honor, ladies and gentlemen, of the great John Starks. When the great John Starks got lit up by Reggie Miller in the garden, nine points and eight seconds, he said on an interview, did that dude just did that? Well, what I'm saying is the award for did that dude just say that is this. Biden should be given an honorary membership in the Mexican drug cartels because no one has done more to help the cartels than Biden with his border policies. Wow. Let that sink in. And, you know, I have friends that live in New Mexico, Albuquerque, which is not exactly on the border. And my friends tell me it is insane. I mean, insane how many people are running, and I'm being literal here, running through neighborhoods. And as Hammer said, if 42 goes away, then the borders are even going to be more open. I don't understand how this is even an issue. There are certain things in this world that I just don't understand. And one of them is, how do we not demand, like we did back in the day at Ellis Island, how do we not demand that people enter this country legally? You know, I know the signs say out here, I got neighbors, no one is illegal. Well, you're right. No one is illegal. That's great. But there have to be certain laws in society. There have to be certain uh, laws with countries. And one of those laws has to be, hey, look, How about you just, I don't know, enter the country legally like many, many folks before you have? I don't know. Is that so difficult? Maybe it is. We're so worried about whether Biden is, or or excuse me, whether DeSantis or any of our politicians are LGBTQ2 sensitive or whatever. How about we start becoming USA? Sensitive. How about we start becoming for the United States of America? Well, here's a headline. I think that Governor DeSantis is a bully. He is not LGBTQ sensitive. Hey, man, let me tell you something. He has an obligation to the entire state of Florida. That's his obligation. So if he isn't sensitive in your mind, hey, what are you going to do? He is uh, elected for the greater good, the whole, the mass, the majority. And if he doesn't fit into your little box, go protest whatever you want. I like what DeSantis also did. He signed a bill banning protests outside of people's house. I love it. I love it. I think it's great. And he, of course, has been under attack because he hasn't given in to the different organizational communities 
that we're all supposed to genuflect to. But you know what? Good for Santis. Good for DeSantis. And good for him calling out Biden. Hey, man, my grandfather came to this country. He came legally. So is yours. So is theirs. I mean, what's the biggest problem? Why are we just letting people come in undocumented, roaming the streets? Doesn't make any sense to me at all. But you guys know better than me. There are just some things that common sense won't let me uh, get my mind around. And just letting people in. Ridiculous. All right. I think Kyle, I think basketball announcers are okay. I think they're good. I think they're fine. But the best of the best is Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan, to me, when he does a game, is absolutely fantastic. Now, the fat D-bag to his left, Stan Van Gundy, is useless. Stan Van Gundy's a poser. He's all, everything that, you know, you don't need in my announcement. He doesn't tell you anything. You know, he's lost everywhere he's been, whatever. But that guy right there, Kevin Harlan, Kevin Harlan has literally made guys running on the field exciting. He's literally made animals running on the field exciting. And when he does a basketball game, I go, oh, man, this is going to be fun because Kevin Harlan's doing the game. I could not be a bigger fan of a guy. Actually, in this picture, I could not be a bigger fan of one guy and a bigger non-fan of the other guy. The other guy's useless. The other guy just poses. The other guy is always, uh, I don't know, I just don't like him. I like his brother. I like Jeff Van Gundy a lot. I think Stan Van Gundy's horse bleep at his job. I think Kevin Harlan, I don't care what Kevin Harlan is doing. When Kevin Harlan is doing a game, I like and enjoy the game. He did the game last night. He's doing for the first time in his career. The Warriors are actually first time in his career. He's doing a conference finals, and I'm excited about it because I think he's just terrific. I like him and Reggie Miller. They can lose Van Gundy. Van Gundy's made a career out of being kind of a fake woke guy, and he says nothing that's interesting. Anyway, what are you going to do? Here's what it is. Uh, the What in the are you doing award? This is a very simple award. And I would like to know, I legitimately would like to know what the are you doing? United States gas prices. Look, I could not talk about this every day, and maybe you all would be happier. But I don't know why you wouldn't talk about this every day. I don't know. I mean, in Indiana now, of course, they're blaming gas uh, prices on the gas tax, which, hey, look, I'm all in on. 56 cents a gallon gas tax is asinine to me here in the state of Indiana. But you tell me, what in the actual F are we doing? When gas prices two years ago were $1.79, or let me back up, before the election were $1.79, and now people are hitting me up, the lowest that I've seen is $4.59. You tell me. I said this yesterday, and I may just say it every day just for the hell of it. I may just say it every day. Uh, what are we doing about it? Did something happen between when gas prices were a buck seventy-nine and where they're at right now? Was there an election or something? Were there people sitting on their fat asses that couldn't get to a, a poll? A polling place? Were there people that somehow, some way could get cable hooked up 
but couldn't get an ID to go vote? I don't know. Maybe they, maybe something happened in between. It seems to me there was an election, and the newly elected party, which controls every part of our government, uh, has done squat in every area. Every single area. They have done nothing. And what in the F are we doing to get gas prices to a point where they are now $4.77, over $4 for the first time in the history of the great United States of America. And we got a guy in office who ran as somebody that doesn't make excuses, and all he's doing is making excuses. You guys are smarter than me, man. You guys voted for it. You guys voted for this train wreck, and there are actually some of you that still defend this blank show. Yeah, that's right. There are some of you out there that go, oh, yeah. Oh, man, this is great. This is great. Name me three things that are great right now, you guys that are defending uh, these folks. What is great? How's our crime going? How's our borders going? How's the economy going? How's our supply chain going? Anybody know the word inflation? How's gas prices rolling? Name me three things. A NATO strong, baby! I'm not going to lie to you. I've never been this adamant, ever, about what a horse bleep job. I understand folks out there defending this are hiding under the guise of, I don't even know what, I guess, I don't even know what, I can't even say it. I was going to say that y'all act like you're somehow better because you're more sensitive, but you're not. What are y'all doing? I don't know, man. I Good for you. But what in the are we doing? Uh, give me this dude on my team any stinking day. Kavon Looney. Kavon Looney can play on this guy's team any day of the week, year, month, any team. I don't care the team. The dude had 20-some rebounds in a game seven the other day. The dude knows his role perfectly. Last night, here's all he did. He just had 10 points all in the first quarter when Steph Curry couldn't make nothing. Yeah, he only had five rebounds, but he didn't need to. Kevon Looney, to me, is the anti-Miles Turner. Uh, We live in Indy. Miles Turner is America's most ridiculous basketball player. He does nothing to facilitate winning at six foot 11, perfect body, and really smart. Kevon Looney, all he does is do things that help you win. Oh, I don't know. Game six, I'm sorry, against Memphis. Ah, what did he do? Ah, four points. That's not good. 22 rebounds, five assists. Give me that guy every... Hangs out by the rim, doesn't hang out at the three-point line. Just goes, makes plays for his teammates. Understands that he has guys on his team that can do this, so he does that. That's important in any business. Like, in our little deal here, I understand that El Presidente is going to straighten out the chat. 
I understand that Jennifer is going to straighten out the chat. I understand that Dylan's going to get me on the straight and narrow every morning. I understand that Ryan and Dylan are going to have a great setup for the show. I understand that if anything goes wrong, Corey's going to be there to fix it. Davey's going to help with the content and the production. I get it, man. I get it. You got to have roles. And Kevon Looney, man, that dude, man, if you don't know who he is, he played for Alford at uh, UCLA, and he's a good player. The How about you just shut up award? Patrick Beverly. Like, I understand white media loves Patrick Beverly. I understand Patrick Beverly is going to be a star. I bet you right now. I bet you right now Patrick Beverly is not going to be a star on TV. I'll bet you anything you want. Patrick Beverly is a really good player. He made us cry. We played against him when I was the interim head coach at Indiana, and I had the softest team in America. I had to get him to go to class and stop smoking weed. Ended up at halftime going nose-to-nose with our 6'9 center, D.J. White, who was literally among the biggest little in the world. But he stood up for the first time in his life. Well, Patrick Beverly was on Arkansas, and they beat our ass. They beat our ass today, tomorrow, the next day. We had a guy named Eric Gordon who everybody told me was great. Eric Gordon shot 7 of 51. Eric Gordon wanted nothing to do with Patrick Beverly. Did you know that Patrick Beverly actually signed with Toledo? When Patrick Beverly signed with Toledo, I was the Bowling Green coach. Toledo was our rival. I called a friend of mine. I go, hey, man, how good is this guy? He goes, he's unbelievable. He goes, he'll be the best player in the MAC as a freshman. Oh, man. And then I can remember the day he signed, reading it in the paper, and then I can remember the day he decommitted. One was a very bad day when he signed. The other was a very good day. But Patrick Beverly just needs to shut the hell up. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I I get it. I I understand. I'm a bad guy for saying it. We're all supposed to love Pat Bev because he tells it like it is. Yeah, okay. Um, I agree with Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes said, hey, look, Patrick Beverly's a guy. Matt Barnes was a guy. When you talk about the greats of the game, they're not going to talk about Matt Barnes and they're not going to talk about Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly's a guy that runs his mouth and likes to fight. Okay, great. Good for him. Whatever. But the truth of the matter is, Patrick Beverly calling out Chris Paul, even though I don't like Chris Paul, 12-time All-Star. Patrick Beverly is Patrick Beverly. Six-time or nine-time All-Defensive team. I don't know. Seems to me like Patrick Beverly ought to, you know, I don't know, shut the hell up. It's, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. It is. It's fun to watch. I guess, but this dude ain't going to be no star anywhere. You know, the white media dudes are so afraid of people that anybody that comes on, oh, he's going to be a star. There isn't one star on ESPN talking uh, professional basketball other, ladies and gentlemen, than Legler. Legler is really good. The others, whatever. But thank God for Legler. But Patrick Beverly, stop it. Just stop. Um, this award is a, I don't think we have this right, but this award is akin to being the best looking male at the Dockage family reunion. The best looking male award at the Dockage family reunion doesn't mean much. My brother's a handsome man. My father's passed away. 
Uh, let me think of who other Dockages there are. My cousin Roy is a handsome, crazy man. He's a DEA agent down in Miami. My uncle Nick, I don't know, he's 80-some. He's a handsome man. But being the most handsome man at the Dockage family reunion, eh, don't get you much. Not a whole lot. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. I would love for it to be like People Magazine, most handsome man, right? I would love it to be. So if you get an award that is as valuable as being the most handsome man at the Dockage family reunion, it ain't worth a whole lot. And that award goes to the NBA all-rookie team this year. There wasn't a rookie worth a damn in the NBA. Guy for the Pacers who played like half the time, wasn't even very good. Maybe early he made a few buckets, but wasn't very good. His name is Chris Duarte. None of you have ever heard of him. But he's on the all-rookie team. I, I, I know you got to give out awards, and I do give out awards. You're seeing an award right here. But the truth of the matter is, the NBA all-rookie team has as much value as being, oh, I don't know, the best-looking man in the Dockage family reunion. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, uh, not our fault for once. Apparently, and I knew they were doing this, they are putting new wireless all through our neighborhood, and everything is shut down internet-wise here. I thank you all for listening this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, we had some good mean tweets. We'll share them on Monday, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, again, they're doing this. They're digging up everyone's yard here in our neighborhood. And uh, I just got – or my wife, actually. Lee just got a thing saying, hey, uh, TV, Internet's going to be down in the entire neighborhood. They don't know that I got the world's greatest show I got to do, people. But, uh, anyway, I hope you have a great week. Thanks to everybody. For listening, Ryan and Corey and Dylan and Davey and everybody, thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.